Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is time once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, we've all had our eyes on what's been happening in the meat industry. The DOJ, the Department of Justice in Washington, has been cracking down on price fixing, especially over in the poultry side of the meat industry. We'll have more on that coming up in just a bit. Plus, a lot of our industries are still dealing with the fallout of the big February winter freeze. The dairy industry is recovering well. It's also affecting the landscaping industry and could affect hunting coming up this fall and winter. We'll have several stories on that coming up later in today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Transpecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. During this growing season in the Texas Panhandle, our rain totals have given us encouragement. But we also have reason to celebrate our temperatures. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The availability of utilities is key when purchasing rural land. I'm Tom Nicolotti, and I'll have the details on Texas Ag Today. Fertilizing in Texas following the deep freeze is a little different this summer. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about summer fertilizing in Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The U.S. Justice Department continues to crack down on price fixing in the meat sector, announcing new indictments against Illinois-based Coke Foods and four Pilgrim's Pride executives. The DOJ says the indictments allege a conspiracy to suppress and eliminate competition for sales of broiler chicken products. The entire meat industry has been under renewed scrutiny in Washington lately, with beef packers making record profits while cattle prices drop sharply. Texas Panhandle Congressman Ronnie Jackson says it's a situation that needs to be looked at. We're still, you know, pinning some hopes on this DOJ investigation to come up with uh, some solutions on what's going on. I am totally opposed 99.9 uh, percent of the time uh, with regards to government intervention into anything. So I'm not a, I'm not a person that pushes regulations and government intervention. But in this particular instance, I think that the uh, the Packers have a, have a real monopoly on this that, that that's impacting, you know, and really harming the cattle producers. Two hearings last week, one in the House, the other in the Senate, focused on the issue of concentration in the meatpacking industry and a lack of slaughter capacity in the U.S. The big February winter storm here in Texas hit the dairy industry hard, but dairy producers are getting back on their feet. Jessica Domel has the story. The Texas dairy industry is recovering well following some production losses during winter storm Uri in February. Darren Turley, executive director of the Texas Association of Dairymen, explains. We've had good luck really since the storm. We we come through the storm, made a lot of milk and survived that well on the farm side. The processor side was another story and they all 
were shut down for various reasons, and so we had to dispose of a lot of milk. But with that, we really haven't seen a lot of production loss, and predominantly because we've had a really good year through Mother Nature. She's been good to us, and we've had a relatively mild early summer at least. We're starting to see some pretty good temperatures this week, but a lot of rain and a lot of uh, cool weather and cool nights, and cows have milked really well until now. The Texas dairy industry produced nearly 4 billion pounds of milk last quarter. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The Dry Creek Ranch in San Angelo is this year's winner of the Outstanding Rangeland Stewardship Award presented by the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association, the Texas Section Society for Range Management, and the Texas Grazing Land Coalition. TSCRA President Hughes Abel says this is one of the most prestigious honors a rancher can win, and the competition is incredibly tough. The award was presented at the recent TSCRA convention in Fort Worth. It has been an exceptional year for rainfall on the Texas High Plains, but the temperatures there have also been different. James Hunt tells how from Amarillo. Getting some nice rains has certainly helped a lot, but let's not overlook what we've been experiencing temperature-wise during this growing season. We've had a few days that were pretty hot, but for the past month or so, our daytime temperatures in the Texas Panhandle have mostly been in the low 90s or lower. And that, says Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell, has been excellent for corn and sorghum. Especially when you think about the physiological stage where we are, it's been very timely to have these cooler temperatures. Most of our corn is at a period of tasseling and silking, which is when pollination occurs and we actually determine that final seed set. And so cooler conditions like we've had are are ideal for that. And in our sorghum crop, our sorghum crop for many producers, it's heading and in that pollination phase. And so we have those cooler temperatures that are ideal. We don't have as much stress and it'll have a greater final seed set per head. But while corn and sorghum are moving right along, there's a little more question about cotton, as delays back at planting time have translated into a lag in development. We are just now seeing really widespread blooming across the central to northern panhandle, and that can be a concern for many producers because we are looking at a narrower bold development period than we would otherwise have if our cotton was blooming earlier. However, Dr. Bell says area cotton is looking capable of good yields, especially if our first freeze comes on the late side and gives bowls extra time to mature. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The availability of utilities can have a big effect on rural Texas land values. Tom Nicoletti talks with a Texas real estate expert about the importance of knowing which utilities are available. My guest again today is Tyler Jacobs with Hall & Hall LLP in College Station. Let's talk about available utilities on rural land and what people need to know about that uh, if they're looking at uh, uh, purchasing uh, land in the country. Absolutely. In this day and age, the traps that you see buyers unfortunately get into is electricity and water. And both of them, what happens is, is buyers are told by a neighbor or told by a seller or told by by some party, oh, yeah, it's no problem. 
we'll get you an easement for your electricity or water. I would never let a buyer client close on property without having those obligations in writing to the benefit of the utility provider. So many times we we make very large decisions based on word of mouth agreement. And if you have end up with a property that can't functionally have utilities such as water or electricity, it will diminish the value of your property. And not only that, it'll diminish the enjoyment of the property. And you never want to see a see a landowner be in, in that situation. No running water and uh, no uh, electricity coming uh, onto the land would uh, certainly make it uh, difficult and a um, big disadvantage to uh, the new buyer. And so often it's the neighbor or the first cousin or some involved person says, oh, yeah, it's no problem. We'll get you an easement when you need it. Well, five or 10 years goes down the road, and the next thing you know, you don't have that easement in writing and things have changed. Tyler Jacobs of Hall & Hall LLP will be back on our next program to talk about deed restrictions on rural land. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Summer fertilizing of your landscape can be a little different here in Texas this year thanks to the winter storm back in February. Horticulturalist John Begno tells why from San Angelo. Well, normally we're fertilizing turf grass and might be doing some annuals and perennials, and we're still going to do a lot of those things. We have to regroup when we think about any kind of fertilizing to damaged plants, those that might have been damaged by the deep freeze, might have been damaged by a spring storm, whatever. You have to remember that if the root system is still viable and strong and not really damaged, but the plumbing, which are the trunks and stems, and the branches are are damaged, then fertilizer may not be your best friend. We don't usually use fertilizer to heal severely damaged plants. It's kind of backwards. You have to have these damaged plants heal themselves before they can actually benefit and utilize the nutrients properly to make more growth. And so be careful there. Don't use that as a crutch to try to save. And a good example is all across central Texas, Arizona, ash trees that were severely damaged or suckering out everywhere. And when you see trees that sucker out or shrubs that sucker out from the ground or from the trunk, that's an indication that they have been stressed and they're trying to recover. And it's the way they save themselves. So fertilizer is not the answer. But on everything else, don't hesitate just because it's hot to fertilize. Okay, We'll be fertilizing these plants if they need fertilizer to grow. Okay, Let's say Bermuda grass is beginning to seed out, and that's a sign that it's slowing growth, and you want it to spread and cover, then you fertilize, and nitrogen is going to be your best source. Our, our element. That's the first number on the sack of fertilizer. That's what's most needed usually. At this time of year, we run out of nitrogen. On pecan trees, for instance, if they have a nice heavy crop, this month right now, July, is excellent time to fertilize pecan trees because you're going to be feeding not only this year's crop, you're also going to try to ensure that next year the tree has a fruit set or a crop set. So remember that fertilizer can be used wisely. We use it on annuals and perennials to keep them blooming. We use them on plants to keep their production cycle going and spreading and creeping and thickening of turf grass and to get overall health of plants back to where it was. This is John Begno reporting from San Angelo. 
We know the winter storm in February resulted in the deaths of birds in certain areas across Texas. How will that impact our upcoming dove season? I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have the answer for you coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the number of bovine tuberculosis cases is on the increase. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The number of bovine tuberculosis cases here in the U.S. is on the increase, and we need to be careful because it can spread to humans. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd explains. Bovine tuberculosis, or TB, can be spread from cattle to humans or from humans to animals. This is a concern since about one-third of the world's human population is infected with tuberculosis. Another source of infection to cattle herds other than humans is exposure to wildlife, as TB is common in deer herds and humans have become infected from deer. TB infections can spread through respiratory droplets or saliva of infected animals or people. Animals and people must be in the active state of infection and sick to transmit the disease, and if the infection is latent, then the animals are not contagious. Calves nursing infected cows is a common method of transmission, and the practice of people drinking raw milk is common in many areas of the world. A survey was performed in West Texas dairy workers, and of the 225 workers surveyed, one-third reported consuming raw dairy products, mostly in their non-United States home country. Of the 140 dairy workers tested, 10% tested positive for TB. TB in a dairy herd can be financially devastating, according to Dr. Keith Polson, director of the Wisconsin Veterinary Diagnostic Lab. To prevent TB, it is recommended to keep a closed herd and raise replacements, buy animals from an accredited TB-free herd, test new animals prior to purchase, isolate them, and test again in 60 days. Always pasteurize waste milk fed to calves and do not allow humans to consume unpasteurized milk from your cattle. Biosecurity also includes disinfecting your trailers when hauling cattle not originating in your herd and test all employees for TB. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Well, we've already talked a lot about the winter storm and its effect on agriculture here in Texas this summer, but it's also going to affect hunting this fall and winter. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. Dove hunting season is just a few weeks away. So what can Texas hunters look forward to this year? Owen Fitzsimmons, Webless Migratory Game Bird Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more. Numbers are down, especially the northern parts of the state, but numbers are way up in the south zone. So I think the south zone is looking to have a really good regular season this year. I'm expecting about an average to good season for the rest of the state. The department did receive some reports of doves and other birds dying during the winter storm in February. 
Birds would definitely seem to be affected, but statewide, we're looking at bird numbers at just about the average, long-term average. So, you know, long-term impacts, I'm not too worried about it. But this year, you know, numbers might be down in those northern latitudes. This year has been wetter and cooler than normal, which has caused most vegetation to thrive. The dry years are kind of a, a mixed blessing because they're able to concentrate birds into some of those food sources and those water sources come September. And I don't think we're going to be looking at that this year. I think they've got plenty of, of food and water resources to pick and choose from. It might be hard to find big concentrations of birds, but one good thing about that is it might lead into some really good hunting conditions in later October and even in November for the North Zone folks. TPWD's spring surveys reveal morning dove populations are down a bit, but Fitzsimmons notes a lot of what hunters will see in September depends on how productive the hatches are. And this year, with as much rain and food that we've had, food on the landscape, I think hatches are going to be really good. So I think we're going to be looking about average, except in the south zone. Like I mentioned, morning dove and white wing numbers are both way up in the south zone. Dove hunting season in the north and central zones opens September 1st, and the south zone opening day is September 14th. The special white wing dove days are September 3rd through the 5th and September 10th through the 12th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We're looking at a serious lack of moisture in the Corn Belt up in the Midwest, so how did that affect today's grain and cattle markets? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Lower corn prices and plenty of demand for beef pushed the cattle markets higher on Tuesday. October live cattle up 87 cents to 128.15. December live cattle up 45 cents to 133.20. September feeder cattle up 55 cents to 162.52. October feeder cattle up 57 cents to 165.05. Box beef was higher on Tuesday. Choice up $4.06 to 285.06. Select up $2.63 to $266.01. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear those cattle go to Beller on a Monday, that means they had an auction sale in Lexington on a Saturday. Russell Heller and crew were hard at work. Russell Heller, tell us how that sale ended up there in Lexington. Yester had 921 total head with 154 cows. Let's walk the pens. Thinner packer cows 35 to 53, better cows 54 to 81. On the steering bull calves, 3 to 4 pounds, 120 to 220. 4 to 5 weights, 115 to 2 dollars. 5 to 6 weights, a dollar 10 to 185. 6 to 7 weights, a dollar 5 to 160. 7 to 8 weights, a dollar to 150. 
on the heifers, three to four pound heifers, one fifteen to one seventy seven, four to five weights a dollar, ten to one sixty five, five to six weights a dollar, five to one fifty two, six to seven weights a dollar to one forty two, seven to eight weights ninety five to one thirty two. What are you anticipating for this next Saturday yeah. sale? Yes, sir. I know a one man. He's gonna have about thirty or thirty five calves. They'll be black and red motley face, and one other guy's gonna have about twenty charlets. Russell, tell everybody how to contact you. Yes, sir. You can get me on my cell. And that number is nine seven nine eight two zero seven zero zero two. And neighbor, we're not finished. Let's head over to Union Commission Company Hondo. Seth Crane, you got a special next week, don't you? Larry, I'd like to remind everybody that special stocker feeder sale is coming up next week. Quite a few consignments for that sale. You know, I think we'd sure have 800 to 1,000 there at that one. So uh, looking forward to next week. Ought to be a good run. In the meantime, uh, you can look us up for, for any more information on the upcoming sales there at Hondo Livestock Auction there on Facebook or visit us there on the website or call us right there at the office, 830-741-8061. Give me on my cell phone, 210-288-3960. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble, and we cover the country when it comes to livestock market operator reports on Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to you. Lower barrel cheese and dry whey prices pushed Class 3 milk prices lower Tuesday. August Class 3 milk down 11 cents to $16 a hundred weight. Fears of flooding in cotton-producing areas of India and a forecast for warmer and drier weather in the cotton-growing areas of Texas pushed cotton futures higher on Tuesday. October cotton up 23 points to 90.30. December cotton up 24 points to 89.87. Both of those remain below that 91 cent high that we saw just a few days ago. Corn was trading lower for much of the day Tuesday, perhaps due to some spillover pressure from soybeans. But as most of you know, the Texas corn harvest is underway or it's starting to get underway in places. I heard that it stalled out a bit in central Texas due to some rain earlier this week. But Nevertheless, that harvest is getting underway, and so corn was trading a little bit lower on Tuesday. September corn down eight and a quarter to five fifty and a half. December corn down seven and a half to five fifty one and three quarters. September hard red wheat was up four to seven oh seven and a half Tuesday. December hard red wheat up four to seven eighteen and three quarters. September crude oil down 56 cents to 70.70 a barrel. October crude oil down 45 cents to 70.16 a barrel. Now let's check out the financial markets and see how they fared on Tuesday. The Dow up 253 points to 34,091. The S&P 500 up 32 points to 4,420. And the Nasdaq was up 62 points to 14,743. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and we hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.